I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From the Embassy Road Studios, pop-up Embassy Road Studios, <laughs> the crap part of Yankee Stadium, in the beautiful, beautiful Bronx. Oh, favourite borough of New York, Rush, the Bronx. Love the Bronx. Top five. For Boogie me. down Bronx. Top five. <laughs> Um, rank, well, the, well, and no, anybody outside the top five of the five boroughs of New York City, Rob? I love Staten Island. Here we are. We're Number at one. Yankee Stadium, Rog. The Guinness International Champions Cup. It's the one that footballers, if they've been honest, tell yeah. you that from the cradle they've dreamt about winning. It's the big one. Yes. Been drinking a lot of Guinness all yeah. evening. We've got to met our friends at Guinness. Yeah. Celebrities, Rog. This is star studded. Down below us, we're in the second half of Liverpool versus Manchester City. Manchester City currently leading two goals to one from Jovetic. Who's clearly desperate to be New York City FC's starting striker. Yeah. In 2015, he's turning it on. Hendo, Jordan Hendo, scored for Liverpool. Huge, huge crowd just filling us. It's honestly a sea of red. An unbelievable sea of red. They've all turned out to watch their team go down. Star-studded. Rog, who have we seen? We've seen John Oliver. Lovely bloke. We've seen Joe Scarborough. In his Liverpool jersey. In his his, his vintage, I should say. 19. He doesn't wear the new Warrior stuff. No. He's a 70s man. He wears the old stuff. Joe Scarborough. Looking very suntanned. Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Daniel Craig. Yep. Very nice man. Uh, Sunil Galati. Happy birthday, Happy mate. Happy birthday, Sunil. Um, lots of people saw all our friends from Guinness having a lovely night here at the stadium watching this amazing tour. This tournament has become kind of a big deal, Rog. It has. It has. It's helping me, Davo. Yeah. Get over a little bit the World Cup. Yeah. Do you remember that? Not really. Feels like it was decades ago it to does, me. It does, it does. Do Which know, World Cup are we talking well, about? Well, I'll be candid. The yeah. 2014 World Cup, Dave Yeah. Feels about as far away to me yeah. right now as the 1966 World Cup. Was it real? Of which, Dave, I have to tell you. Yeah. It's the 48th anniversary today of yeah. England for West Germany 2. Wow. The happiest day, the greatest day of your life. It is. I was three months old. Remember yeah. it well. Remember yeah. it so well. Do you know, Rich. I do think about this a lot, which is... There's a day in your life yeah. on which, and I believe the World Cup final in 1966 could have been it for you. Yeah. In which you I've got to see where you're going first with this. You've never been happier. Uh, yeah, probably not. It's like day. an apex. For some, it's like being yeah. a high school quarterback and like yeah. winning the rivalry, crosstown rivalry. For others, it's like the day they see, finally see Barry Manilow live in no, concert. it was my thought. For others, it's when you become a parent for the first yeah. time. Yeah. But there's like a moment when you are, uh-huh. and you don't know when it strikes, but you'll never... never be happier than that that very second regular listeners to our podcast have remembered me alluding briefly to my 16th birthday party (laughs) I threw and I'm just saying 16th birthday party it was like the risky business of 16th birthday parties that was without any I actually realised at the moment it was going on as I was sliding across the floor playing air guitar in my underwear that this was the greatest night of my life Uh, the happiest I've ever been yeah was when we were, um, there was like a rustling, it was like a sound in a lock, a key turning. Yeah. And we were... Locked al- in the panic room. Allowed out of the panic room, finally. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like to think that my happiest moment yeah. has not yet come, David, uh-huh. that we will be very soon, you and I will yeah. be on to wonderful adventures yeah. together. Mm-hmm. The Burton Ernie of football broadcasting. Yeah, we are. I'll tell you, a great tweet in from at Donald Bettler yeah. about the World Cup. Uh-huh. I like this a lot, Davo. He said, at Men in Blazers, uh-huh. evidence that World Cup 2014 
change my life. When I read or hear Middle East news, I always expect Rodriguez to follow Hamas. <laughs> you know, the World Cup, that's funny. It's, you know, we've talked about the World Cup, that it doesn't really build to a crescendo, Rog. It's just like emptying out the last drops of a nice bottle of Malbec. Yeah, beautiful bottle of a nice Malbec. The other thing about the Malbec. World Cup is the day it ends, Rog. Yeah. It ends. It is so over. Yep. And it's barely not worth thinking about until we're all stationed in countries somewhat proximate to Russia in four <laughs> years' time. So true. It becomes etched in stone in I the know. bank, in it's the not, archive. It's done. It is over. Which Last year's Premier League season is more alive than this year's World Cup. Which is a nice segue into a lot of you want to know how I feel about Lukaku signing for Everton. Lukaku. Which, we'll, which we won't talk about until the right place in the show. Yeah. I'll just say, right now, I'm so excited. I yeah. feel I have the same symptoms as if I've been bitten by a Brazilian wandering spider. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you that happy? Yes. Really? I am. I can't quite read you. But a lot of people have tweeted to find out, like, am I annoyed? Oh, hey. I haven't been able to read you on the Lukaku thing. We've had a busy day. Yeah. We've had a busy day. I, I would say, people want to know, am I annoyed that Everton have signed the player who destroyed the US's World Cup dreams? Yeah, and the, the, the reason my eight-year-old daughter has boycotted Lupanka to the end because yeah. she's so upset with Belgium. That's all in the past now. Yeah, it's all in the past, David. In the Premier League, thank God, August sixteenth, the kickoff. Yeah, it's coming back. Football's massive. coming home, Rog. But I do agree, David. We'll talk about it. The IC, this this tournament, I love it yeah. for a variety of reasons, which we will we will yeah. get into. But Rocket, tell us what's well, coming up in the show. Well, look, we've had a packed day, Rog. We've all interviewed, spent a, a good hour with Frank Lampard earlier on NYCFCs. Uh, Frank Lampard before we came up here second greatest man we hung out with today yeah after who Bob Lee Bob Lee oh we said we had lunch with Bob Lee we had lunch I always like the World Cup I forgot that we had lunch with Bob Lee and Bob Lee's beard and Bob Lee's beard pretty amazing I always say it was speaking you to him for an hour football. you kept calling him Bob I didn't yeah. know who it was I thought it was Bob Seeger for yeah. the first hour of dinner I got quite excited and then yeah. beneath the beard it was Bobby Lee yeah in the background you keep on seeing things are happening down on the field but until uh, Liverpool equalise, we're not going to be commentating on it. Um, so, Rog, pack pod today. We're going to watch Liverpool Man City. Well, we're watching that right now. They're going hammer and tongs, Rog. We're going to drink several bottles of Guinness. That's we, also frankly, in the past tense. We've already drunk several bottles of Guinness. We're going to discuss all of the big questions emerging from the pre-season Premier League invasion of our shores. And we're going to catch up on all the latest transfer happenings. Implosion at Southampton, Rog. Drogba, nostalgia, drog, alger at Chelsea and Everton Rod. Everton spending money surely we have arrived at the end of history <laughs> uh, Manchester City CEO Farron Soriano will also drop in to talk about the new English Premier League season and his creative vision which has led Manchester City to spin off local franchises except we don't call them franchises Rod. we call them clubs franchises. in Australia uh, Japan and our own favourite city ever New York City Rod. Liverpool coming close, David. I know, coming close. So the pre-season tours, we're watching pre-season football yep. down here, Rog, the Guinness International Champions Cup. It's a pretty remarkable thing what this has become. Eight massive teams, or seven plus Olympiacos, <laughs> <laughs> trotting around our nation like plundering Vikings, George. Yeah, I love plundering Vikings. Oh, Liverpool have just scored. Go Suarez. On. Oh, no, it's not Suarez. That's Raheem Sterling. He better play like Suarez this season if they're going to be any good. 
Yeah. That's an equaliser. We'll watch that on the hey, replay. First of all, there's nothing like an American soccer crowd. It's what thrilled me. Yeah. We've done this competition, the, uh, the, the, the Poets competition, and yeah. a lot of you Americans have been taking amazingly creative signs to yeah. the games. I have to say, the three envelope sign. The, the, the being Liverpool homage yeah. that one of our GFOPs took to Soldier Field uh-huh. that is truly an American welcome in every yeah. dimension seeing Hala Madrid spray painted onto the back of a window in Dallas Davo yeah. I just love all of this kind of football culture fusing with the American the Cotton Bowl yeah. scene of so many great pigskin games yeah. uh, the, the game in Ann Arbor in Michigan uh, the University of Michigan and the big house unbelievable but most importantly for me Davo it's that America's become a top two strategic priority for the mega clubs. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't that way from five or six happening. years ago. What maybe? is the other? So America's a strategic priority. What are you saying? Asia is the other strategic priority? Yeah, absolutely. Not actually how they perform in the English Premier League at home. Yeah, I mean, it used to be that plastic fans were yeah. those who didn't go to the game every week. Yeah. Now these clubs, the big clubs... Yeah. I mean, look at it. The US has now become a vast continental training ground they for the elite European clubs. That The fans the big clubs care about do no no longer live just in the zip codes around the ground they care yeah. about the fan uh, who lives in uh, in Nebraska as much as they do around Old Trafford Manchester United and, and mm-hmm. that's what's truly truly fascinating about what's going on right now yeah when we were growing up David do you remember pre-season when we were growing never. up never don't we, ever remember pre-season it was all about warming up Everton would play the likes of Grimsby Town. They'd yeah. play the likes of Malmo. Yeah. Um, and then United and Arsenal kind of pioneered in the late 80s, early 90s that there was income to be generated from this pre-season. Yeah. They'd play the Emirates Cup. They'd play yeah. at Arsenal. Um, and Man United would go on these trips to China yeah. or to Thailand. And it was all about raising money, payment for uh, actually turning up. But I think we've entered this third generation and, and, the, and the Guinness uh, ICC kind of fits in that bill it's definitely still about the money United have been reported as earning up to 20 million dollars for their summer term tour yeah. but it's really about long term fan engagement and sponsor activation um, and watching the clubs compete digitally for America's hearts and minds that's what's so I mean truly creative and fascinating about this whole thing you know tucked in the middle of this GICC Rog has also been the prospect of watching some of these top European teams playing against MLS franchises and I must say I find that a little troubling coming out of the World Cup I think what we really wanted to see as American soccer fans we wanted to come out of the World Cup and we wanted to see MLS at its best I wanted to see big matchups I wanted to see competitive games yeah well the overall record for MLS 0-4-2 the LA Galaxy Zero Manchester United seven eighty four thousand three hundred sixty two fans yeah. at the Rose Bowl Manchester City beat Kansas City four one and you I mean it's being thrashed yeah in games you admittedly take half heartedly because they're throwing out their yeah. scrubs because they care more about the MLS competitive games the MLS yeah. teams of course is that good for the league. I think it probably used to. It probably used to be good that they could show that they could compete, that they could take. I remember Kansas City once beat Manchester United in the game. It was yeah. great for the league back then. I yeah. think well, it's when Kansas City were really trying to sort of prove themselves and establish who they were going to be going forward. But the league needs one game. It needs an all-star game. 
Yeah. And fr- frankly, that, when you're throwing together an all-star team to play the likes of Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich should win that game hands down. One yeah. team plays together week in, week out. The other team has probably yeah. two practices at most. I'd frame the all-star game more as a celebration of, of, of everything that's great about American soccer than rather a litmus test about winning or losing. Yeah. But the other games, I truly don't understand. Yeah, also especially in midsummer, which is really when MLS has nothing to compete against in the sporting calendar. That's sort of, for me, when they should be playing their biggest and most competitive games. I know it's hot. I know people are coming off the World Cup, but it's kind of what I want to go and see. I mean, it's not, not, the question isn't just about whether it's good for MLS, Davo. Is it good for the clubs? I mean, yeah. we've talked about that. You talked about Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Talking about how the training camps in the modern game are commercial. Mm-hmm. Then uh, all about boosting the popularity of the club. Yeah. Um, he said, I'm happy to be in New York. But for purely football reasons, the best thing to do is to stay in London and not travel too much because of the time you waste, the jet lag you suffer. Uh, Van Gaal has been... Yeah, he's had some problems too, Roger. Yeah, United are playing in Pasadena, uh, Denver, Washington, Detroit. He said they're commercial activities. Then You're you're travelling too much. United could travel 13,500 miles if they make the final. Yeah. I mean, what, what should Premier League teams do, Dave? They, they're about to prime for a, a massive, you call it a marathon sprint, uh, the, the, the Premier League campaign. But well, at the same time, they're desperate to show they're serious about the United States. Well, as in a, a little friendly. while, we're going to talk about the transfers, Roger, and we see why they need the money. The commercial imperative is very strong. Yes, you've got to get your team in shape. Yes, you've got to go and figure out what you're going to be. It's a slightly interfered year already because you know not every team has had all of its world cup players uh back yet some teams more affected than others uh transfer deadline happens you know two weeks into the season rog so you're still going to see moves at the end of the season and i must say it's like for you're certainly right for football preparation i i sympathize with van gaal and uh with with Wenger. this is not the best way to prepare for the season but these clubs need the money to compete on the largest stage. The competitive advantage for the big teams is they actually get out here and they sell out and they sell lots of shirts and go and do it. And they need the money to dominate in the transfer But I tell you about dominating, I mean, I do think the steps that these clubs could take if they are really serious about making a commitment to the United States, which surpasses playing two or three games and then packing up and going home. We were talking about this on the car on the way. I, mean, if I, I, if I were running a car, I would live broadcast Wayne Rooney from Old Trafford reading a Letterman top ten list. Good idea. I would I'd, I would work while I'm here to tighten my connections to the Andrew Lux, the Kyrie Irvings, mm-hmm. um, the John Olivers, who adore the clubs and try and engage them to publicise their following as like their point of view. Uh, to, to reinforce the passion and support that's growing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, most importantly, David, it's something I'll ask Fran later. I, I'd love to see them in, try and integrate U.S. talent into their club. I mean, right now, Jeff Cameron and Brad Guzan, yeah. there's an unbelievable how many people are warming to Stoke or Aston Villa because they happen to have a U.S. piece of talent there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they, if they are coming here to build their brand, I can't think of anything that would make... Would, would, would hew the American affection for a team quicker than taking on one or two of these Look, players. and definitely we saw that with Dempsey at Fulham. A lot of American fans went to Fulham. Dempsey then went to Tottenham. A lot of American fans switched their allegiance from Fulham to Tottenham. Um, but I'm not... See, I'm not convinced. Look at this sea of red and some sky blue, Rog, out here in Yankee Stadium 
this evening. I think there is a certain share of football pie. I think there's a certain size of football pie, and I think these teams have done very well to establish this football pie. And there's a certain share of football pie, and frankly, in the US, Liverpool, Man United, and to a lesser extent, I'd say Chelsea and Arsenal, seem to have, of the English Premier League teams, seem to have the majority of the sport. Obviously, what Man City are doing is really interesting uh, to go and uh, to play catch up. advantage, to play catch-up. But I'm not sure what any of those teams can do better than they're doing already. Now, maybe you're right. It's the Stokes, it's the Hulls, it's the West Hams can do something else. But are the best players really available to go to those teams? When you really go down that US roster, a number of them are going to go and play in MLS. A number of them are still attached, like Julian Green, to major European sides. I'm not sure what's available to those English Premier League teams, genuinely. When you talk about the smaller clubs, that is fascinating, Dave, because we're very caught up in kind of the big uh, the United, the cities. But you, you look, Everton have been to Bangkok. Yeah. West Ham have travelled to Auckland, New Zealand. Um, Crystal Palace yeah. have come to America. Yeah, played Columbus. They played in Richmond. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. They played a Richmond City Stadium. 7,851 yeah. people came. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm t- I, I watched that game. I was trying to work out how Maran Shamak's hair actually got through customs. <laughs> they, they, they do have U.S. Customs and Border Protection do cut down on, uh, you know, the Dog and Cat Protection Act of 2000 calls for the seizure and forfeiture of any item containing dog, real dog or cat foot. <laughs> it's shocking. But they, I, I, I want to say respect to Arsenal. That yeah. video they made where their players tried to do American accents yeah. was one of the, the better. You loved that. Better, didn't you? I did love you it. Did it. I was watching Matthew Flamini say, "Forget about it." Yeah, it's very reassuring that there's some men who are worse at accents even than me, David. Yeah. Um, What's your American expression again, Rog? Um, Hooray for Hollywood! Yeah. Like a, million a million dollars! A million bucks! <laughs> a million bucks! That's so good. Uh, by the way, talking about MLS, Dave, one yeah. quick thing. We are poised. Yeah. We are poised to go to Portland. Yeah. All Star. Live show. Yeah, Monday in, night. In Pioneer Square. Looking forward to it. An after party at Kells, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. Looking forward to that. Come and meet us. Yeah. I will say how excited I am for uh-huh. this show. We're going to be on stage with some of the legendary giants of world football. That means you, Kyle Beckerman. Yeah. I'd say not since... No one bigger. Not since Lewis and Clark. Yeah. Have two blokes been more excited to travel to Portland. Yeah. Like so to, good. I'd like to believe that's true, David. It's so good. Yeah, we can't wait for that. Looking forward to it. Can I move on to the transfers now, Rog? Well, can we just say what's going on here? Well, 2-2. Two, two, the game has ended, Rog. As you know, by the rules of the uh, Guinness International Champions Cup yeah. they will now go to a penalty shootout yeah. Rog um, and I think if we take a look on the field right now Rog you see the managers giving final words to their teams before they go into that shootout 50,000 people possibly here yeah. I'd say 49,500 of them came to see Martin Skirtle do a skirtling yeah. uh, he's nowhere to be seen is that right JW he's nowhere to be seen No. I do believe and that makes me feel good the immigration and naturalisation. Do you remember you used to have to tick a yes and no box when you yeah. came into this country? Yeah. About do you, yes, no, have any uh, family members who are fascist members of a party? <laughs> How dare you. And, and there's another great box, which always, I just thought it was amazing because I doubt uh-huh. you really caught too many people this way. There was a box that when you came from England to America, you had to tick. It was yes, no, I have, have not been involved in terrorism. Yeah. Um, 
So they probably did catch Martin yeah. Skirtle out with that little one tape. Yeah. Thank God, because he would have been the worst thing to arrive in the United States since that song Rude. Yeah. So no. So we're going to be. Uh, so the, the penalty shootout will be going on uh, during the next ten minutes of our pod, Rog. We're going to have to constantly break away from uh, from our intense dialogue to go and commentate on that. First penalty being taken. Oh, blasted over the top of the bar. There we go. Uh, advantage Liverpool. Statistically, what is it, Rog? If you make the first penalty, if you take the first penalty, yeah. you are sixty percent more. Uh, you have sixty percent of a chance to win uh, the penalty shootout, but not with penalties like that one which cleared the bar by a good five feet yeah that was not that was not particularly strong so Rog as this as the penalty shootout goes yep. on below let's talk a little bit about the transfer can we yes. what strange magic is this Dave so Romelo Lukaku Rog the first miracle of Tarukicism well <laughs> yeah there is a they are advertising a, uh, a product called Trico right yep. down there on the field yep. right now five year deal Rog 42.3 million dollars that doesn't include his wages. Second one over the bar. I believe that's Daniel Sturridge, Rog, has put it over. Almost exactly the he same penalty as the previous Since one. Since he was a child, he's dreamt of scoring in a penalty shootout at yeah. the Guinness International Champions Cup. Yeah. And he just couldn't handle it. the pressure. Shattered dreams. He couldn't handle oh, the there's, pressure. There's Brendan Rodgers. You've got to see this training kit that Liverpool looks like a vicar. He looks Rogers. like a trendy vicar down at the youth club trying to appeal to the, uh, the, tw- the tweens. Yeah. Definitely. Stay with Brendan. Reverend Brendan looks a bit trendy. Go on. So $42.3 million for Romelu Lukaku, yeah. which is not including wages. Yeah. How are you, two questions. Yeah. One, how are you feeling? Yeah. Two, what on earth is going on? First of all, I'd say... Um, oh, three in a row missed, Rog. Go ahead. Yeah, three in a row penalties missed. Um, I'd just say... I don't know how to compute it, David. I don't know where Everton got 24 million from. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> I wonder Pounds, if they yeah. paid uh, with PayPal or something, yeah. Chelsea, and they just—I uh, I have no Bitcoins. idea how, how or what or where. But mostly, here's what I can't understand: it has been about a decade since Everton last signed a player of of great coveted quality. I think Andrew Johnson was probably the player that other teams actually wanted before he came to us and he yeah. chose Everton I just say long-suffering Everton fans are used to at this point we're conditioned to suffer through the transfer window with slim pickings like Dennis Strakalursi this Argentinian yeah. rando or yeah. Royston Drenthe like a burnt out fallen star yeah. we're just not used to these emotions Davo hope confidence competence yeah I don't know what to do with it at CEO Neil 3 tweeted me at Rog Bennett the tingling I am feeling is preventing me from getting any work done. I am afraid my nipples will cut through my dress shirt. And that pretty well sums it up, David. And is it that exciting? I mean, we've talked about some of the limitations, and I'm not just saying this as a Chelsea fan, because I actually think it's a mistake for Chelsea, for whom the obituary, money doesn't make any... Obituary him th- from, a, from a Chelsea perspective. I'd love to know. Yeah. Obit him from a Chelsea perspective. For well, me. the money... I think Romelu Lukaku is a young player with phenomenal potential. I don't think he's yet shown it over 90 minutes over the whole course of a season. But I think he's had moments, both for West Bromwich Albion and for Everton, where he's proved that he's a legitimate Premier League goalscorer. Do I think he's a player who can end up being a 25 to 30 goal per season striker? Or it doesn't even have to be that good, by the way. A 20 goal Premier League striker. I'm not sure. 
I think that sometimes you always made the point that at West Bromwich Albion it required Shane Long running the defence um, just out of steam for Romolo to come on and beat them up towards the end of the game to go and do it. And I think he did some of that same stuff at Everton. But it surprises me that Chelsea would get rid of somebody for whom the money is not that important, a young player with such potential to go and do it. On the flip side, Everton, this is a significant amount of money to invest in a single player for whom there were several many might be an exaggeration but several Everton fans who were not so insane at the end of last season when they thought they might not get in this season you save all of our money Dave I mean I will say we spent the summer with Roberto Martinez yeah. in Rio amazing I, man I spent much of that summer trying to persuade Roberto to take Julian Green on loan yeah but we watched Belgium play games with Roberto yeah. and after every failed Romelu Lukaku game he yeah. would pump his fist in the air and I'd, I, we'd say what are, you, what are you cheering and he'd just say the price and he'd point down to the floor he'd say the price is lowering what would it have been before? so after every Belgian game in which he fell to sparkle Roberto was elated but you look at what Everton have done over the past couple of months. Martinez himself signed a new deal, massively yeah. significant. Seamus Coleman, new deal. Ross Barkley yesterday. Yeah, huge new massive deal. Massive new deal for what those new deals are worth. Uh, Mohamed Besic, yeah. the uh, Bosnian defensive That's a very good buy, by the way. Gareth Barry signed permanently. Yeah, excellent. And news. now Romelu, I wish I could have another child so I could name him Romelu. That's yeah. how excited I am. Signed. So it's not just one gentleman, Dave. Um, at Smithfire13 tweeted us at Men in Blazers Everton finally building depth to support Stephen Naismith <laughs> yeah, we're going to build a, uh, build a whole attack around Scottish Messi um, but it's fascinating I don't understand David where the money's come from at the real gigs tweeted us at Men in Blazers somewhere David Moyes is on his hands and knees screaming 25 million that's what I got over the course of 10 years. Where the hell did that come from? And we'll, I'm really just waiting for the story to come out. Many journalists, Rog, are starting to talk about Everton, legitimate top four contenders. Um, we'll see. They're going to be very good. They certainly haven't got weaker in the off-season, Rog. Seem to have got stronger. Unlike? And, uh, well, Southampton, Rog. The implosion down there on the south coast. Ricky Lambert gone for four million pounds, six point eight million dollars. Luke Shaw gone for forty-six million dollars, pretty much. Um, to United, Lambert of course to Liverpool. Uh, Lalana uh, also gone to Liverpool. Rog for forty-two point four million dollars. He's injured already. He's already done his knee. Lovren, the finely tattooed Lovren, uh, gone for forty million, uh, thirty-four million dollars. Callum Chambers, very promising young right back slash central defender uh, has gone to Arsenal Rog, for $27 million that's $156 million of revenue to Southampton and so far they've taken Ryan Bertrand on loan yep, and they're going to play bags of cash yeah. in the other positions I mean we've seen this all before David Yeah, we have seen this in, in the movie Major League former mm. stripper inherits the Cleveland Indians from her dead husband wants to move to Miami she decides to decrease attendance to trigger escape clause. Yeah. Um, she hopes that finishing last will help. Southampton, maybe, like the Cleveland Indians, end up being good and beat the Yankees to win the American League East, Dave. Yeah. But you've got this owner, Katerina Lieber. She took yeah. over from her late father, Marcus, in 2010, mm-hmm. who loved Southampton. 
Um, she could be cashing in on her asset. And now yeah. you have Pochettino, the old manager, who's now at Spurs, yeah. trying to tempt Morgan Schneidlin and Jay Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. The honest truth is, right now at Southampton, we don't know what's going on. And I'll say the fans deserve better than this total confusion. The one, one thing I'd say that's criminal is that they've let all these players go. And before this, we should say Theo Walcott, Gareth Bale, players that's developed that, That's football, like, That's football. I mean, this is, this is a mass fire sale. And it's a mass fire sale before, if you're going to do this properly, you would have brought in players before you let those people go. Yeah. Because now everybody that's going to sell Southampton a replacement, know they are sitting on piles of cash and will jack up the prices. And even their new manager, Ronald Kerman, has taken the piss. He tweeted a photograph of an empty field mm-hmm. saying, hashtag, ready for training. Uh, which was, I mean, even, even he's mocking the way the club are going about their business. I'll say there's a lot of darkness in the world right now, David, but a yeah. piece of my heart feels true sorry for Southampton fans. Yeah. yeah, attractive football club. Well, they'll always develop good players, though. By the way, we should say that Liverpool prevailed in the Guinness International Champions Cup. But you'll already uh, know that. Penalties. You'll already know that because you've been watching. Yeah, well, just in case, for those of you that didn't. Massive. We should, we should say the result. Massive. Uh, Callum Chambers to Arsenal. This interests me, Roger. I saw him play a few times this season. Actually, was quite impressed with him. 23 first-team appearances he's had. Yeah, huge money That's for all. an unproven That's all. player, Rog. $27 million. But I think it's also it's the changing value. Athletic central defenders, that seems to be... Uh, a new move in football. Uh, we should say Martinez, by the way, down there in uh, in Brazil, told us that he thinks that that your boy John Stones is going to be the best central defender in England within two years. Uh, I had breakfast with Arsene Wenger last week mm-hmm. in Hoboken. Um, he actually blew me away because a lot of Premier League characters that you meet they're heavy on the faux charisma, mm-hmm. and he was all insight, wisdom, and he, he's still got the demeanour of a bloke who's truly, totally, madly, deeply in love with football. And he, he ran through the amount of tests they give to any player before they come in. Young players, David, young players in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't just test for motivation, they test for consistency of motivation. They, they, uh, the eye test, they make sure that they understand which side of the field they actually have better depth of field in. Yeah. They've found players literally by moving from the right to the left. It's just mm-hmm. that they see differently from one side to the other. And he also talks about the three types of motivation he looks for in a player. Mm-hmm. He said there's three kinds of motivation a player can have. There's the player who wants to beat himself to always be better than he was yesterday. Yeah. There's a player who wants to be the best in the locker room. And there's a third person who plays because he wants to earn the respect of others. He said the third kind they don't like because they're too insecure ultimately to really move to the top level. The second kind is no, no use to him. Because as soon as they are the best in the locker room, they stop trying. Yeah. He said the, 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 um, the players they look for are those who are only obsessed with beating themselves and being better than they were yesterday. And he said, and you would have liked it because you always said, um, Sir Alex Ferguson said players are just like... Horses. Race horses. Arsene Wenger said a good player is just like a dog. Wow. Just like a, they just want to beat themselves. The every only thing I think, day. and I, I do think Arsenal are going to be very good this season, but I would say... That with all of that science, all of that technology, all of those tests, how on earth did Arsenal manage to field a team of players who last year were so appallingly, appallingly mentally bereft and weak against the top six teams Sonoga. in the Premier League? Sonoga. Just absolutely He's going to come good. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure Dogs. about all those tests. Dogs. I think you take a punt. They have no idea, really, Santos. how good Callum Chambers Dogs. is going to be. Dog. We'll see.
What did Arsene have for breakfast, by the way? He had a bagel, no butter. No and butter. A huge Not bottle a pan of absinthe. chocolate. Huge bottle of absinthe. I love him the absinthe. Always. Uh, on the absinthe. Didier Drogba, Rog, coming back. Talking about good young talent. To Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, good young talent. One-year deal. Comes in on a free transfer. That's a pretty good piece of uh, business. Um, yeah, they didn't say how much they're paying him. Yeah, no, the wages are going to be significant. But Mourinho said he belongs, quote, at Chelsea. Yeah. He's coming with a mentality to, quote, make more history. Yeah. How do you feel, Davo? Is this... The, uh, Mourinho, great quote, we're doing this in a very non-emotional way, was what he said. Mm-hmm. Is this for you, like, daddy coming home? Or does it feel more like Torres, Diego Costa are probably going to be crap, so let's bring back Grandpa? Yeah. Once again, it's, it's the classic Roger Bennett question, which only has two possible answers, neither of which I actually agree with. And we have to hurry, you, Daddy or Grandpa? <laughs> yeah, is it, Daddy or Grandpa? Two? It's a. I'll tell you what, I, I'm not particularly excited about this, to be honest. I still do think that Didier Drogba is a very good footballer, and I think he's a guy who can still score a lot of goals in the Premier League, and more than just score goals, one thing he does do for what I think is the strength of the Chelsea teams, the. The uh, the Oscars, the Williams, the uh, the Hazards, the players who can who aren't particularly good at taking the ball back to the goal, but they can run like little little ferrets, Rog, all around the outside of you and inside and switch their positions everywhere. He can hold up the ball and he can release a player, and he's fantastic at doing that. And I think he will play very very well in combination with those players. What I don't like is I don't like it when bands or singers do their farewell concert tour and then come back and do another and say I'm back Rob I'm doing another I'm doing another Rob, concert you keep tour coming back he doesn't mean you Bob and it was a moment after Didier left Chelsea there was a moment where the fans said goodbye and where he left the Premier League and I find it a bit confusing emotionally to have him back again oh I thought we already said goodbye to him and now he's back so I find it a little uh, a little difficult I do think, and having watched a little bit of pre-season, I'm not sure that Costa, I think he's going to be a good Premier League striker. I'm not sure we're going to see that in year one. They've spent a lot of time playing kids out of the academy, frankly, uh, up front for Chelsea during the uh, during pre-season. But you must have been They've harmed. They played Ivanovic up front during pre-season, uh, Rog. So you must I have been harmed by Cesc Fabregas. Scored today. Yeah, kissed his badge. Yeah. Second friendly, first goal. He's already yeah. kissing the Chelsea he badge. He loves Chelsea. Today. He loves West London. He loves West London, Rog. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little torn about it. Good to see him back. I'll enjoy watching him play. I think it's a very good piece of business. Long way, long winded way of saying grandpa. <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, Kirkich, Rog, to Stoke. Yeah, possibly the most oxymoronic juxtaposition. Since Nixon went to China. Yeah. If you don't know who this is, he's essentially a tiny Barcelonan starlet who has kind of lost his way. Many people. Ray Hudson, who is... uh, He's not many people now, is he? Well, no, but Ray Hudson, who is... Crazy Uncle Ray, Ray. Crazy Uncle Ray, our great friend from Sirius XMFC 94, you know, really believed that this kid had the potential to be the best player in the world. Yep, and he still may be playing ahead of Jeff Cameron yeah. at Stoke City. I say seeing him in a Stoke jersey is like yeah. seeing Rapunzel trapped in a castle. Yeah. Let down your hair, Bojan. Yeah. Um, so I may climb the golden stair. Although I must say the prospect of his tall, small combination with Peter Crouch yeah. gives me the thickening. Yeah. Another interesting uh, move, Dave, yeah. while we're on it. Enna Valencia. 
uh-huh. to West Ham. We loved him from Ecuador, three yep. goals at the World Great Cup. Player. From Pachuca, my favourite Mexican football team. He's a lively footballer yeah. with real intelligence and movement, mm-hmm. both of which will undoubtedly be completely lost somewhere on the journey to Upton Park, mm-hmm. that Bermuda triangle for talent, yeah. who are also pursuing our World Cup heartthrob. Yeah. Le Petit Bello. Oh, Valbuena. Matthew Valbuena, I know you listen to the pod. Yeah. No. No. No, allez. Pa. Yeah. Don't, whatever, don't go there. QPR also are battling away. Why is it? He's small. He's a small. He deserves better tools to match up with. Yeah. Now, you've got to look at him as being an Arsenal player, Valbuena, surely. But I'll take him at Chelsea. I think he's a fabulous, fabulous footballer. And will be Tiniest tattoos I've ever seen. Yeah, Louis van Gaal. We've got a chance to see him up close. I've loved seeing him America. go about his business. Do you like it? I do. I love do it. Do you like it? I do, I, he's, he's, he's making a claim yeah. on my heart and mind mm-hmm. just for being so wonderfully bonkers. Yeah. He claimed his his squad is broken. Yeah. He, he's already forced Luke Shaw to train on his own by declaring he's not fit. Ugh. And the thing I love most was when he publicly mm-hmm. showed Wayne Rooney in training how to shoot. Oh, my God. Rooney wouldn't even look at him. It was an amazing No, well, Rooney! And he goes, you pop it you, in a corner, you look, you at, look at the goalkeeper. <laughs> you look at the goalkeeper, you hit it to the other side of the goalkeeper. Slowly, slowly. Yes. I, I love it, I love it, I love it. He, he's claimed that Rooney's this is like, how many goals have you scored in the Premier League, mate? Yeah, but, uh, but Rooney's got to look at that hair transplant and yeah, realise that's better than mine. Better than mine. Yeah, I've got it to listen. Surpri- it looks surprised <laughs> on the top of his head, but it's better than mine. Uh, but uh, this is what I was interested in talking to you about, David. What the hair? Van Gaal. Yeah. Has claimed. Yeah. <laughs> he said it would have been easier for me to succeed Sir Alex Ferguson than David Moyes. Yeah. Because he's inherited a squad that has no confidence. Uh-huh. Do you believe that? Or is that just him bigging himself up, David? Because it's, we've always said it's easier to replace the man who replaced the man than to replace the man. Yeah, it's a double... I don't know that I completely believe it. I think that Van Gaal, a little bit like Mourinho, they're these guys who say things under the guise of, look, I'm just saying honestly what I feel. But if we said everything that we felt in the moment of what we said, we would say some thoroughly, thoroughly stupid things we on record reflection. Them. We record them we all. We wouldn't actually feel them at all. So occasionally I think these are single or dual delegates in Van Gaal's head that are saying the things <laughs> that he's saying at that point. Of course it is better to succeed David Moyes than to, than, than to follow uh, Sir Alex at Manchester United. Um, but I kind of think he's going to do a good job already. Man United, I think, have looked quite useful during pre-season. Cleverly even had a good game the other day. So we'll see. <laughs> Cleverly. Cleverly. Last question on this. Yeah. All these transfers. Yeah. But the two big ones, mm-hmm. Suarez mm-hmm. and James, yeah. they've both gone to Spain. Yeah. Slight diminishing number of stars in the Premier League, David. Yeah. Does it matter? It doesn't to me. You can take away our stars, but they'll never, they'll never have our narrative, David. Nor a league broadcast in their native English accent, yeah. language. Well, and I think Suarez is a huge loss for Liverpool, and I think it's a huge loss for the Premier League. I really do. And I think it's a, you know, I do not uh, condone his behaviour. I don't like a biter, Roger, don't like a biter. But I think that's a terrific loss for the Premier League and for Liverpool especially. Hamas had an amazing World Cup. He's a shining star on the world stage. But it's not like he was insane for Monaco in the French League last year. I do believe we will see Hamas in uh, England at some point in the future. I think he's going to be coming. 
Um, and uh, I think that what makes it great for me about this Premier League season coming up, we're going to have to see the emergence of a new star. Someone will win the league scoring title. Someone will score the most goals. And it's going to be whoever it is this year, that's going to be very interesting narrative. Very interesting narrative. Stephen Naismith, maybe. Uh, The one transfer we didn't talk about, the huge one, and we spent some time with him today. Uh, Big for America, big for me, Rog. Frank Lampard to NYCFC. It's like meeting Matthew McGonaghy in 10 years' time. That's how big it was for you. Yeah, well, that's that's his own hero to go and do it. Uh, And what a lovely guy, Rog. I think even you would have to say, what a lovely man Frank Lampard was. Yes, he's very, I could tell you were annoyed. I was very annoyed. He's really very nice. I would say, and I don't like to be hyperbolic, but I think he may be England's greatest contribution to New York City since constitutionalism. Yeah. Henry Hudson. Yeah. Bradley Wright Phillips. Yeah. And Pret-a-Manger. Yeah. Oh, we love those sandwiches. They're always so moist. They're um, excellent. I, I want to ask you this. The big question that I need you to unfurl, David, yeah. because you, uh, to me, you are the master of the reds, the blues, the bizarre juxtapositions yeah. that football throws out. It's actually written to us by GFOP Kyle Shaughnessy from Toronto. Yeah. He says, I'm here. I'm all kinds of bewitched, bothered and bewildered. That's yeah. our second Barbara Streisand mention uh-huh. on this pod. He said, first, some background. I'm a Torontonian. Yeah. So I support Toronto FC and the Blue Jays. Yeah. I've also got a long-standing relationship with Manchester City. Yeah. So bearing all that in mind, what am I, this is Kyle writing, Dave, what am I to do with my loyalties now the evil empire that is the New York Yankees mm-hmm. has bought an MLS franchise along with my beloved Manchester City? Mm-hmm. And now they've signed a Chelsea star who's going to come and play against my hometown Toronto FC. Wheels within wheels. That's that me is. That's a lot of wheels. What, what do you expect? What do you advise? Can you help Kyle, David? Well, you know, I always, David. Feel, I always feel two things. One is the second you start watching football, yeah. any game, you start knowing how you feel. You start understanding your rooting interest. Remember that game we went to and I said, you know, I'm actually going to cheer for France tonight. And when it actually started... I couldn't possibly cheer for France. I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, they were playing oh, England, weren't they? No, they were playing Ecuador. But finally, <laughs> when they got to play Germany, I could cheer for France. I could go and do it. But oh, it's just God, it's hard until choice, you know. Yeah. Until you until you know. Yeah, you you cheered for France over Germany. It's just it's very very hard. Very very hard. Um, so I think you've got to allow it to unfold. But look, once again, Frank Lampard has left Chelsea now. Much of the. Uh, unpopularity of Frank Lampard or perhaps the lack of respect he was given by all Premier League football fans was that he played for a club that they absolutely abhorred I think it's very tough to look at his professionalism very tough to look at his record and very tough to actually realise just the kind of guy he is and not to root for him to do very well he is passionate what was very clear today and this will be posted on YouTube soon our interview and I think we're going to try and make it a special pod this is a guy so impressed with America so passionate about this country, so passionate about this city, and incredibly complimentary. You love Starsky and Hutch about, almost as yes, much as I did growing Very up. complimentary about the league and the national team and where it's going in this country. And he wants to be a major force in helping it get better. And uh, hats off to him. I've got a nickname for a new nickname for him. I you thought, uh, well, we what is it? Uh, I think they should brand this, and I'm going to put this, I'm going to have to rush home and get .com on this one. Yeah. I think we should call him the English Muffin. <laughs> 
It's Greek branding. Better than Fat Frank. Here's the English muffin. It's Greek American marketing. Ideas are a million dollars. It's amazing. Thomas's. Bring you. Bring you Frank Lampard. Who would not want to come and watch out the English muffin? The best sporting nickname since the refrigerator. It's a great idea. Okay, Rog, talking about Frank Lampard. The English Muffin. Uh, before the game Say, today, call him the English Muffin. Uh, it's his proper name. No, I'm not going to. Talking about Frank Lampard. Uh, we're earlier, before the game tonight, we got a chance to speak to his boss, Rog. New boss. Yeah, new boss, Farron Soriano. So joining us now, Rog, on the pod. Oh, very handsome man. 47-year-old, Catalan-born, chief executive officer of Manchester City. Farron Soriano. He's a man who was previously vice president, general manager at Barcelona. I would say the biggest football club uh, in the world most Americans have heard of. He's pioneered the creative vision for the global powerhouse football clubs to spin off local entities, Rog. This is something new that we're talking about. Hence, Major League Soccer's New York City FC, the A-League's Melbourne Heart and Japan's Yokohama F Marinos. Welcome to the pod, Farron Soriano. Thank you very much. Great to have you here. Big uh, evening for you. Yeah, yeah. It's every time we come here is so impressive because you see the American fans loving soccer, and and you know I've been coming to the U.S. maybe for the last ten years for soccer, mm-hmm. and you can see it changing every year. Every year is better than the previous one. Every mm-hmm. year. And we're coming off the timing, coming off this World Cup, which hit record numbers in the United States, both on television, people going to parks, bars to go and watch it. You just feel like we're in a sort of a magic time. The momentum is really with us. Yeah, I think it's unstoppable. I think you, no matter how you look at it, you, you look at the numbers of fans in, in, in the world, soccer is the number one global sport. Yeah. And there's there's no reason for this sport not to be growing in the U.S. And actually, you can see it. It's not, it's not a promise now. It's a reality. So the noise in the background, we're here at Yankee Stadium, about to watch Manchester City play uh, Liverpool. Most English clubs brand build by touring in the summer, trying to capture hearts and minds. You've taken a very different route, as they say in America, by establishing an MLS club here in New York City, NYC FC. Can you talk about your decision to do more than simply play a friendly or two and then leave town? You're actually putting down permanent roots in the U.S. Of course. We, we, uh, we want to be New Yorkers. We, we are building a truly authentic New York team. So mm-hmm. th- th- this is not a Manchester City team or a, a brand play or a marketing trick. Yeah. This is real. This is a, a team that's going to play beautiful soccer in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and that team happens to be part of a family, the City family, where we will be able to help. We will be able to help in what matters in bringing good players and bringing coaching methodology, technology, everything to help this New York team to succeed. I mean, what, what I'm interested in is, is why America? I mean, in the early 2000s, the major clubs, the major global clubs seemed obsessed with the fan base in Asia and China, massive tours to Thailand. But over the past five years, our country, America, it seems to have become increasingly important can you talk a little bit about what your data tells you about the size, the scope, the possibility in the American market? And where does the U.S. rank as a global priority for Manchester City? It is a priority for us and for many European clubs just because the fans are asking for it. Just because more and more, you, you can see, I can show you data and everybody has research, but you just have to walk on the street. So you walk on the street and... Frank Lampard, our last signing for New York City, he was telling me today, 
that only five years ago he could walk on the street in New York huh. and nobody would recognize him. Now well, he can't. Yeah, he can't today. walk, right? So, so this is a reality that soccer fans in the U.S. are looking for good soccer. And, and by the way, the best way to deliver that is to be here yeah. and to do it every week, not to come to play a friendly game, an exhibition game every year or every, yeah. or every couple of years. Yeah. You, you, you're comparing with Asia. Asia is the, the fans for the Premier League in Asia is, is also massive. Mm -hmm. But the leagues are not so developed. Mm -hmm. The MLS is now a serious, well-managed league. So it's it's a place where you can actually, if you bring the right people and the right know-how, you can you could develop good football, good soccer. And sorry. obviously, you coming is not just about the hearts and minds of the American people. It's a it's a vote of confidence in MLS. Absolutely, and and you could say, you know, why don't you go to China? Yeah. There's, there's more fans in China. Yeah, but the league in China is not well organized. It's not prepare for, a, if I may say, a sophisticated professional yeah. uh, investor, professional club like us that comes here to do the same thing that is done in Europe. We're not going to settle for less. So there are limitations, yeah. salary caps and so on. We'll, we will comply with this, but we will not settle for uh, 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 soccer that is not to the level that the fans deserve. And as we sit here in Yankee Stadium, one of the sort of the giant cathedrals of American sport, we also remember that America is an amazing sports nation. It's a it's a country where people just flat out love sports, and now they're starting to love soccer as well. Absolutely. And and let me tell you one more thing. We we're looking at soccer today, and we can see what happened ten years ago. But let's do an exercise of looking at the future, mm -hmm. and 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 tell me, you know better than me, what are the challenges that other sports are facing? Mm -hmm. Some of them they have aging fans. Yes. Some of them there are other issues. We're not tell allowed me. to say baseball. That <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. <laughs> tell me what's the issue with soccer. Tell me what's what's wrong. It's all positive. It's all bright. And, and, and with the water breaks, we might have more commercial inventory, which is excellent. <laughs> and and, and um, I have to tell you also that, that we, we're investing a lot and in researching and talking to young players in the U.S. Uh -huh. And we will bring our best way of teaching and coaching these guys, and you will see very good U.S. players. So it's a years. development play as well for you. Yeah, you will see it because... The kids in the U.S., they, now they understand better the game. Yeah. They watch the game on TV, and they're athletic, and they're competitive, like, mm -hmm. like, like they are naturally in America. And if, if we're able to coach them at the top of the game, and we will do so, mm -hmm. you will see some amazing stars coming out of America in the next years. I mean, I'm interested. You talk about the league, and you talk about the, the financial limitations on this league. Uh, but surely you see, and we've talked about this before, that by Manchester City coming into this league, you can bring in some economies of scale from uh, from your knowledge, your know-how, uh, the talent that you can bring, the commercial operation know-how. Did you see that as being the unique differentiator for NYCFC that's going to allow you to have a real competitive advantage on and off the field from the first season? I think that what will happen for sure is that we will devote all our resources, and resources is what you said, but also players. So, so you, you talk to Frank Lampard or David Villa, I think one of the reasons why they decided to come to New York is because they know who manages and who owns the club. So also we have some players, we have some very bright star players, young players in Europe, 
we might ask them to come to New York to play before before they play they play at City at Manchester City. So there are all sorts of advantages. But I think this is this might give us some competitive advantage, but I think what will happen is that this will raise the bar for the whole league. There are other teams in the league that are also investing in designated players that are willing we talk a lot, they're willing to invest more to make sure that the players, the soccer that you see on the pitch is of a higher quality. So, so I, I think we will push the bar and others will follow. You are building the most incredible segues to our next questions uh, in the interview. It's sort of amazing. It's like you might be able to read sideways. It's so phenomenal. But you talked about competitive advantage and competition. And obviously, Major League Soccer is in serious competition for the American soccer eyeball versus Premier League versus Champions League. From Obviously, you've done, you've watched a lot of MLS you look at the general state of the league, you talked about the quality of the play, talked about the quality of the experience. What else do you see that Major League Soccer has to do to sort of raise its game? And do you think it's a competition against Premier League and Champions League, or do you think that all can exist in harmony? First, I think it's not a competition. This is synergistic. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. You know, as, as you said, we're, we're, we're lucky to have now teams in, in many countries. So mm-hmm. I was in Japan last, last week. Yeah. And I was talking to to one of the key um, directors of the Japanese league and he was mm-hmm. telling me this is a competition when European teams come to Japan I have a problem because they're taking my audience my uh, sponsoring money this is a zero-sum game mm-hmm. this is wrong completely wrong it is totally synergistic so fans are coming today to the to this stadium to watch Manchester City play but Manchester City is going to come here once a year. Mm-hmm. They need to go to a stadium to enjoy the local passion for the local club every week. Mm-hmm. And it works. And it has worked in many other places. You go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And and I, I must say the quality of the soccer you see on the pitch in Mexico is not very different from what you see at the MLS. It's good football. It's good soccer. But the Mexicans... They're passionate for the local football, the mm-hmm. local soccer. Sorry, I'm going to make this mistake all, all oh, the way. We, we use both all okay. the time. When we say soccer, we tend to, we tend to say soccer. We try okay. and pronounce it in the American way. But I'll we, try we, soccer. We, on this, <laughs> on, with the men in blazers, you can always say football or soccer. Right. You can interchange and be as inconsistent as we are. So what I'm trying to say is that this is perfectly compatible yeah. to, to uh, enjoy your local soccer knowing that there is an other soccer played elsewhere, yeah. which is different. It's yeah. like... It happens the same in Europe. In uh-huh. Europe, there is people lo- love basketball, yeah. but they know the NBA is in, at a different level. Yeah. And as we progress, the distance is going to diminish. Mm-hmm. Did you see this as being a two-way relationship? You've talked about developing youth talent, uh, American youth talent, with, with the, some great young players that happen to be American uh, under the U.S., like the Fabian Johnsons, the Julian Greens. Um, what I don't understand is why no big Premier League team has grabbed any American kind of outfield talent just from a branding perspective, Fran, from a branding perspective alone. Brand, branding is a bad word for soccer. It is, it is out of our language. We would never do anything for branding or for marketing when it comes to what happens on the pitch. This is about playing beautiful soccer. And it's about That's winning. Football. So, so <laughs> I, I could go. You know, I would never go to our manager Manuel Pellegrini and said, you know, there's a Chinese player. We have a big market in China. Can you play mm-hmm. this player? It doesn't work. It has to be on its own merit. 
the, the product on the field has to be very authentic. So doesn't mean that we will not have U.S. players playing in Europe. I think we will. We will. It takes time. But it will not be for commercial reasons. It will be for football reasons. And there are some good American players playing in, playing in Europe, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I think it will happen. I think it will happen to us because we will have an academy in New York and we'll take some, we, we hope some of this talent is going to develop to be able to play at the top of the game in Europe. Mm -hmm. But it will be based on soccer merits, not on commercial merits. As a season ticket holder of NYC FC, I'm so delighted you're coming, so excited. I'm going to ask a quick question. What is the, other than obviously two incredible pieces put in already, David Villa, Frank Lampard, another signing I know announced this week, what are the other major building blocks you want to go and put together for this team before they start pre-season next January? So one, one uh, thing is the players, you talk about this. Yeah. The other thing is the methodology, the way we play football. Uh -huh. So you, you'll see how, you, you know how Manchester City plays. Yeah. We play the same way, mm -hmm. attacking football, ball possession, rapid transitions, all, the, all that we do, we're going to do the same. Yeah. And, and by the way, we had our coach, uh, Jason Kreis, yeah. working with Manuel Pellegrini for almost a An year. An American coach significantly for you. So I think, I think if you allow me to say, we're, we have the best of both Walls. Mm -hmm. We have an American who's going to coach New York City FC. He knows the MLS, but he has been working with Manchester City in England. So he's huh. going to bring experience, know-how, and so on. So the players and the know-how together, I think we're going to do great. Can, can we talk about Manchester City for one second? You're defending champions, Mazeltov on a great last season. You're grappling with the financial fair play realities of European football. Last season... A lot of the teams in the Premier League seemed oddly flawed, but Chelsea have brought in Diego Costa, Arsenal have brought in Alexis Sanchez, United threatening to bring in everybody. They've all rearmed. Can you talk briefly about the season's race from your perspective, the season that's about to kick off, and what City's plan is? We, we don't plan season by season. We plan in cycles, and cycles could be three, four, five seasons. So we... We knew one year ago, we knew the positions that we wanted to reinforce in the team, and we did it. We have a new right back, we have a holding midfielder, we'll have a new central central defender, and that's it. We don't need to sign new players for the sake of it. We need mm -hmm. to sign the players that the team needs, because the team has a balance. And to win, you have to keep the balance. So our squad is very strong, and it's second year that they play, they coach with Manuel Pellegrini, so they'll do much better. I've got one last question for you. I mean, you've talked in the past when we've discussed that there's a, in Europe, there's like a hierarchy where there's some major clubs that have major global brands and major entertainment kind of offerings that can really attract the, 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 the globe. There's, there's teams that don't have that that you've talked about when we last spoke, you said they're going to have to focus on more kind of narrower messages and narrower markets. Can you just think forward? You talked about futurizing and looking in the future. What do you see European football looking like in 10 years' time when you think about that marketplace? It will be more and more global, and, and, and the distance between the top clubs and the smaller local clubs is, is widening. And this is just normal. And, and we will see more of what we're seeing today top teams playing everywhere else in the world. It's a, it's a global sport and, and the European clubs are now at the, top, at the top of the game. So I don't see anything different from what we're seeing. Growth and globalization. Frank, good luck tonight uh, Thank you in, very this, much. in this game. Good luck this season good luck at Manchester City ahead. with all your global teams and cannot wait for NYC FC uh, here in 
what I believe is the greatest city in the world yes, uh, starting next season. I can't wait. Right. Thank you, friend. Thanks Thank so you. much. Lovely man. What a bloke. Yeah, focused, Rog. Fo- I would say focused. I'd say suave. Yeah. I'd say strategic. Yeah. Intelligent. Yeah. Makes a bit of an eye contact. Makes a bit of eye contact. Yeah. Then he goes into a sort of a daze as though what he's about to say is coming to him in a vision. And it's revealed truth. It was. And you have to agree with everything he says. It was. It was like a burning bush. Yeah. It was really... But it was not consumed. Yeah. Talking of burning bushes. The Ravens. The Ravens. Eddie Micus. That's another great name. Yeah. I, I love keep America. telling myself that all signs indicate that MLS will become one of the country's biggest sporting leagues within my lifetime. It already has Eddie Micus. Along these lines, as you've probably heard, there was a significant development in terms of MLS's growth as a league this week. Matt Bezler and Graham Susie signed designated player contracts with Sporting Kansas City rather than accept potentially lucrative offers from European teams. In your opinion, was this the right move on their part and is it indicative of the ability of MLS to retain players of a decent talent level? What a question, David. It is tough. The clash between club and country. It's like two well-pitted forces it's like Mario Brothers against King Cooper just fighting each other I mean it all stems for the desire of MLS to be one of the best leagues in the world and they know for that to occur US stars are probably their most marketable uh, asset right now and the players know if they stay they'll get an extra dividend they'll get paid Graham Zuzi put it this way is worth far more to Kansas City than he would be say to Stoke yeah. City and then you're pitting that against Jurgen Klinsmann. By the way, he's 50 today. Yeah, happy birthday, Jurgen. He and Sunil Galati have the same birthday. Yeah. That is, if you believe in horoscopes, yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, but he desires to improve the individual talents on his team. His job is not to grow MLS. He cares about the players on his team getting to be the best they can as quickly as possible, which he says they must play at the highest level. They must grind in Europe. They must climb the greasy pole. Uh, they must play in the Champions League. But then, you know, you go and visit Josie in Sunderland, which is, if you grew up in Florida, David, mm-hmm. Sunderland is a pretty grim place to to, to live your, out your existence. Would you rather play in Sunderland or in If you grew up in, in New Sunderland, York City? Sunderland's a pretty grim place to live out <laughs> your existence, Rog. And that's a, it's a clash between the good of the national team, yeah. the good of the national league, yeah. and the good of the players' development, and the good of the players' wallet. Those four forces coming together. It's what makes it so complicated. I think it's great for MLS. I mean, look, I have to admit, I thought that, you know, Bessler had some very good games at the World Cup. Susie, oh, a great you know, guy. didn't get to play as much. Um, but I have to be honest, and this is still the thing that confuses, it almost confounds me about the US men's national team. I don't know how good Matt Bessler and Graham Susie really are. I still don't know. But I do think they will be very good players in MLS. And they'll be happy and they'll be well played. And uh, good for them. Okay, Rog, new feature on this show. We get a massive mailbag. Massive. We adore your questions and insights and photoshops. To show our love, we're going to start a weekly award uh, (sighs) to the most fascinating uh, piece of creative work, Rog, that is sent in to us. 
It's the Men in Blazers Raven of the Week. But oh, not oh, doesn't have to just be Ravens. It could be a Photoshop. It could be something you've created. It could be anything. Or a truly challenging, wonderful question. Yeah, tr- exactly. We or love a story a challenging you want to tell us, however you want to phrase it. Not like a Rog question with only two possible answers, neither of which <laughs> Dad, actually are the oh, ones Dad, you would ever, Dad, oh, you would Dad, ever Dad. answer. And Guinness, Rog, our friends at Guinness, have lovingly supplied a brand new and rather beautiful patch. Designed by Ian Hutchison, yeah, GFOP. It's, it's wonderful. beautiful. It's really good, that patch. Very good looking. We should put that on the Instagram so people can see it. Uh, and is this the winner this week, Rog? Yeah, the first one ever, David. Oh, well, congratulations. It's a special new patch. Pete Shahid, Rog and Davo, GFOP here, but only really because of the World Cup. Just read Roger's piece on the blog about rooting for a Premier League team that isn't one of the big four. Well done, Rog. Put that on the meninblazers.com. Thank you, I David. am from Charleston, South Carolina, Davo's favourite uh, city in America. Go Battery. I love the Battery also. And love the South Carolina Gamecocks, especially the football team. It's one of my favourite nicknames in sport. The Gamecocks. I want to root for a Premier League team that has a sordid history of abject (laughs) mediocrity. High hopes that every year will be our year. An in-state rivalry that has been one-sided against us, but where we have levelled the playing field against them recently. And impressive seasons the past few years provide, I see, no wonder this one, providing glimpses of the future glory that could make all this worth it. I've been doing some research and somehow, somehow, Roger's beloved Everton kind of fits this description, question mark at the end of it. Am I wrong to think so? Am I crazy to want to root for Everton? Also, if I choose Everton, I won't be jumping on any bandwagon, right? Cheers, Pete. Of course you win the Raven of the Week. Gamecocks. Yeah, Rog, your answer. Is is Pete making an insane, unwise decision or just an uninformed, poor decision? Is that a yes or no? That's within the Roger Bennett lexicon of question answers. Well, I'll answer that, Dave, but I I think Pete's question is so timely. Yeah. Because there's now thousands of Americans Mm -hmm. who are coming to football off the World Cup. Yeah. And they're going to pick a team. Yeah. But they're going to pick a team free of such obligations as we have a local team to support. Yeah. And we've always marvelled on this show just how wonderful the random chance exchanges that lead you to pick up a Premier League team are. The student experience in Leicester a decade ago. Yeah. Or some random drunk relative who hails from Stoke. There's a wonderful woman, I wish I could remember her name, who tweeted in. She fell in love with Chelsea when she saw a photo of Gary Cahill and Eden Hazard and thought, hmm... Which kind of proves to me there's somebody for everybody. There's somebody for everybody, if that's what it took. Uh, And we always talk on the show of the Tottenham fan who tattooed the crest onto his arm five years after falling in love with them because his last name was Thompson and Tottenham was sponsored by Thompson Vacation Homes. So I I just say, in the olden days, when Fox broadcast the Premier League team, it made sense to me to support United, City, Arsenal or... Spurs, who were always on all the time, Chelsea, who were always on every week because they had so few games yeah. on. But now in this NBC era, Dave, in which every game is on, in which every team is available, yeah. you've got complete freedom. Yeah. And I would, I'd like to make the case right now, Dave, and I want uh-huh. listeners to tell us why and how they make the, their routing yeah. choices. Diversify your interests. Take the road that is so rarely taken. Cheer for the little guy. Yeah. And I just think sport is ultimately about feelings. Mm-hmm. And you can feel things through sport that you're meant to in everyday life, but you and I are both numb to. <laughs> Happiness, sadness, yeah. fear, misery. Yeah. Occasional joy, Dave. Uh-huh. And, and you can find, 
research the clubs, research the cities. Yeah. Find out that Aston Villa had they won the bloody Champions League in yeah. was it nineteen eighty two? By Villa won by a Munich nil. Hull. Philip Larkin called that town a place where silence is laid like a carpet. Go and yeah. revel in all of this stuff and choose a team, stick with it. But um, tell us why and how and all that stuff, but spread yourselves out, for God's sake. Yeah, I agree. You've got to find the right team for you. It's like the sorting hat, Rog, in Harry Potter, but you have to do the work. Many ways to connect to us. Rog, by the way, it's not going to be an Everton-related piece of content that wins the Raven of the Week every but other wait, week. I just say, we got tweets from people after I wrote the article saying why they chose their teams. Yeah. At Randy Fordyce. Uh-huh. I started supporting Norwich three years ago because yeah. their colours were the same as my running shoes. <laughs> it felt like I died when they were relegated. I just yeah. love that. Running shoes, death. Yeah. At MK Hammer Time. Mm-hmm. At Men in Blazers. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but my last name is Hammer. I found out there's a team that's nicknamed the Hammers. I'm a West Ham supporter for life. I love it, Dave. Tell us why. Tell us how. It could be that you find Gary Cahill, Gary bloody Cahill, unbelievably attractive. Mm -hmm. And then you just dead into it. I love it. I love it. And I love America. Many ways to connect to us. One is our Amazon Emporium. Uh, Keeps our show going, Rog. It does. Keeps, keeps Lexi and, these and cold JW nights. in chicken fingers, which they've enjoyed tonight. Thank you, at New York Yankee Yankees. Stadium. Uh, anytime you go to on Amazon for items big or small, just click off the Emporium page. And men in places, Roger, gets a tiny, tiny percentage, tiny, tiny, tinier than the tiniest Brazilian banana. Come on, Hachette. That allows us to cover the cost of creating Damn you, Amazon. and uh, broadcasting the show. Second, Roger, is our newsletter. Hang the on, we've got to pick an Emporium pick. Oh, we do. We've got to pick an Emporium pick. Yeah. Go ahead. I will. I don't have one. I do. Go ahead. Well, it's the 100th anniversary uh-huh. on August the 4th yeah. of England entering the First World War. Wow. It's a century since that dark and destructive war begun. Yeah. I'm not sure what we've learned from it, David. Dulce at Decorum S by Wilfred Owen. Uh-huh. Both learned, I learned that when I was six at school. Yeah. With, bent double like old beggars under sacks. Not really yeah. coughing like hags we curse through sludge. Yeah. Um, I just recommend that anyone who wants to think about what I think is a very poignant cent- uh, centenary yeah. uh, buys The First World War by John Keegan. It's an ah. amazing narrative of a dark and destructive, brutal human experience. Oh, well. That was enough, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Wonderful, Rog. Well, <laughs> do you know what? I'll put it inside that. We get a lot of questions, Rog, after the World Cup about what we were wearing, about the clothes we wear, our style choices. We're going to put one of those in the Raven. Yeah, one of the tomorrow. really important things, so, yeah, men, one thing you have to deal with, you only need two pairs, but one thing men have to deal with is, like, buying jeans. Very, very, very hard to buy jeans. I've got to tell you, I've become such a fan of the Levi's 511. It's such a good cut, and you're going to really enjoy them. So I'm going to put one of my favourite washes of Levi's 511 jeans in the Emporium. Uh, this week, I don't own a single pair of jeans. Oh, I know because you love raspberry pants. If I could get <laughs> Levi's Five Eleven in raspberry, I would definitely no, recommend those. But I think I'll put them in grey. I love a pair of grey jeans. Uh, Rog, second way to connect to us and newsletter: The Raven, fueled by Guinness. I mean, turbo fueled. Rog, it collates the best ravens. Our own writing on a weekly basis. Sign up via meninblazers.com. We will both post what we are reading, listening to, or watching. Fantastic job, Rog, with the newsletter. You carry the lion's JW share of that. And JW and Lexi. Excellent work. New listeners, Rog, download on iTunes and Amazon our Best of album 
which is somehow rot number four on the Billboard comedy charts. It's the Didier Drogba of um, of comedy album. <laughs> yeah. We have no idea how, but it's got it's to still on Billboard. It's I know four. it's suddenly selling. Uh, Men in Blazers unbuttoned. Now that's what I call uh, suboptimal. Also, another good tip for new listeners, Rog. Click on our wonderful, independently, GFOP-maintained wiki, meninblazers.wikispaces.com. It's a wonder of the modern world, Rog. It's nothing to do with us, but it's everything to do with us. Yeah, we love it. We really, really love it. Uh, Go to meninblazers.com. Check out all of our content there. You can contact us uh, at meninblazers, at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett. Donald Rog. Follow our uh, Instagram uh, men in Blazers, lots of pictures today of Bob Lee, Frank Lampard, you being uh, put in a chokehold by Warren Barton. At <laughs> that was the... your first photo we've not had to stage. <laughs> no, it, was like, it was just a very natural reaction from uh-huh. the coach. Uh, uh, can I just say, yeah. David went out with someone from Cosmo who's been giving him lessons on Instagramming. Yeah. What's the secret of great Instagramming? Good photos, not crap ones. Got to take more <laughs> good photos. I'm working on it. Uh, like us on Facebook, Rog. Yeah, we I love like our it. Facebook going to do it and uh, send us emails meninblazers at gmail.com send your ravens to the crap part of Soho we really cherish and uh, try and answer each one Vanderpunk Rog war pig who wants to sex Matombo explosion I love explosion courage size the day is that your analysis no sleep till Portland Davo abrogado rock on mate kung fu fight in America love you Rog I love you Davo Good night, New York. New York, Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.